Hey folks, I'm Alex Stab. And I'm Katie Reif. We are here today talking about the new film in the DC Cinematic Universe. That's Birds of Prey, starring Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Welcome to Film Club. Okay, so Alex, I suppose today kicks off summer movie blockbuster season? <laughs> it's earlier every year. Yeah, it's in February now. <laughs> so, and we are talking about Birds of Prey, full title, Birds of Prey or the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. So this is the newest film in the DCEU, the official DC cinematic live action film universe, which was best known for a long time for the grim, dark, gritty, Zack Snyder style superhero mm -hmm. movies. But recently they're turning over a new leaf and this film, very very loudly announces that they are trying something new because it is wild and colorful and a comedy, really. And it is a spin-off film about Harley Quinn, a character who was first introduced in Batman the Animated Series back in the 90s. The great after-school animated series. Oh, so. one of the best of all time. Yeah. And so Harley Quinn's backstory is ludicrous, like all comic book characters. She's a psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum who falls head over heels in love with the Joker, and he dunks her in a vat of toxic waste to kind of make their relationship official. It is literally <laughs> a toxic relationship. So Harley Quinn first made her live action debut in Suicide Squad, which came out in 2016, the David Ayer movie that was widely panned by critics, but <laughs> did pretty well at the box office. Big hit, yeah. Yeah, and she was, she was uh, by far the breakout character of that film. Yeah, I mean, I think people loved her performance in that. I will say that I thought the characterization was a little inconsistent mm -hmm. and I think that what that was was that the, the film was sort of grappling with the fact that there's, there's something not especially She's empowering. a girlfriend character. She a, is. A sidekick. She, Always has been. She's not especially empowering as a character. Right. She's uh, just this sort of lovesick, obsessive girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So the movie was kind of split the difference between that characterization, which is very faithful to how she was introduced, and a character with slightly more agency. Yeah, a little more personality. And then I would say that they added a third element in there, which was like a very very leering camera <laughs> that oh, yeah, watched sure. her walk around in booty shorts just intensely. <laughs> Which I think is, again, something that's that character has been presented. Oh, sure. For, oh, sure. for quite some time yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. They've sexualized her before in the comics as well. Yeah, sexy um, murder clown, for that's sure. Right, yeah. Yep. I do think this does something at least kind of shrewd, mm -hmm. which is that, as the title indicates, it emancipates her from that relationship with the Joker. Mm -hmm. The movie is presented, the framework of the film is she's going through a breakup. At the beginning of the film, her and the Joker have split up. I will say this, I know everybody hated Jared Leto's Joker. I didn't like him either. <laughs> right. I wouldn't have minded seeing him briefly at the beginning of this film because he is such a looming presence over that character. Right. Um, I, I, it, I mean, I think Leto She still brings just him up. Wanted, she does. She brings yep. him up a lot. And so mm -hmm. he is sort of there through absence. Mm -hmm. It's a structural absence, you could say. Um, I feel like it's pretty pointed that he doesn't even make an appearance. There's not yeah. even a shot at yeah. the beginning of him saying we're through or anything Exactly. Like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that Leto probably didn't want to do the movie. <laughs> That's possible. I think he was pretty upset about the whole Joaquin oh. Phoenix. He's going to be very upset on Sunday when Joaquin Phoenix wins Best Actor. If this movie's number one as well, he's going to be so upset. It's very funny that Jared Leto played the Joker between Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix. And it's just like, no Oscar for you. No Oscar for you, buddy. <laughs> just some face tattoos. That's right. <laughs> the Joker is not really a presence in the film. It's all about Harley going through this breakup. Mm -hmm. And the film then becomes this kind of complicated ensemble piece where now that she's not with the Joker anymore, it's sort of open season. 
season on her, mm -hmm. and she gets involved in this kind of caper involving a diamond, and we meet these other characters. Uh, how did you feel about the other characters in this one? I, I thought the other characters were overall pretty good. Rosie Perez plays Renee Montoya, who's yeah. a Gotham City uh, PD officer who is continually undervalued mm -hmm. by her bosses at work, which is one of the little feminist touches that mm -hmm. they say in this movie. I don't think it hits the girl power angle too hard, but it definitely yeah. works a few little things in there. It didn't feel pandering in the way that that no. one shot in the Avengers film felt. Oh, know, God, like, yeah. <laughs> here you go, fans. You know, yeah. here are all the ladies. Yeah. You know? This, this is... felt more organic to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then there's also Huntress, who is a Sicilian mafia princess mm -hmm. who becomes a hardened assassin in the Lady Snowblood mold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did think of Kill Bill quite a lot, Oh, actually. definitely, yeah. yeah. They even have a visual bit where she's crossing out pictures of the people that killed her family. That's yeah. very Kill Bill. Played um, by Mary uh, Elizabeth Winstead. Yes, Mary yeah. Elizabeth Winstead, who is surprisingly funny. Mm -hmm. She plays it so straight that against, because uh, Robbie has this manic energy mm -hmm. as Harley, playing the two against each other is very funny. Well, they have a pretty funny idea, which is that she's somebody who has devoted her whole life to revenge and never really learned how to be social with yeah. human beings. Yeah, how I to mean, talk her, to people. Right, exactly. Yeah. She's like the survivor of this big massacre, so she's been basically spending her entire life as a child training to mm -hmm. enact vengeance, mm -hmm. but the movie's, one of the movie's funnier ideas is that if you do that, then you maybe won't have very good social skills. Yeah, there's a lot of non sequiturs and cutaways and little comedic asides in the movie, and I think possibly my favorite one was they cut away to her in a hotel room, you know, ready to enact her vengeance. And in the mirror, she keeps trying to introduce herself, you know, with this badass look on her face <laughs> and she keeps messing it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty great. And then there is Black Canary, mm -hmm. who is in this one a nightclub singer who is working for the movie's Big Bad, not willingly, but she is his driver. Mm -hmm. She's got a secret talent for crime fighting. Mm -hmm. And then there is Cassandra Kane, who is a teenage pickpocket who is kind of at the center of this whole this Mad like caper. caper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So out of all of those, I felt as though Winstead was definitely the standout. They yeah. gave her character a little bit more texture to work with. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was just kind of generalized tough girl badassery. Yeah, I thought that some of the characterizations in this were a little generic, mm -hmm. a little bland, honestly. The yeah. other birds of prey, you mm -hmm. know? I will say it has a solid villain. Ewan McGregor yes. plays Roman Sionis, yep. who's uh, the Black Mask, I believe, in the Batman comics. Yep. Doing his own kind of spin on him. I mean, he's definitely playing him as like a toxic man baby, sure. kind of, you know? Mm -hmm. A spoiled um, rich kid. Yeah, totally. Who's very used to getting what he wants. Totally. Yeah. And there's one like kind of nasty scene where he makes this woman at, at this nightclub that he runs like strip on a table because he, he thinks she's laughing at him, mm -hmm. you know? So, well, um, yeah, that was one of the things where I felt like this movie maybe uh, struggled a little bit. Mm was the McGregor is having a ton of fun and going really big and a lot of, this movie is definitely more in the Adam West, Joel Shoemaker kind of Batman mold mm -hmm. than, you know, they're just completely flipping it from the dark and gritty Batman that came before. And I felt as though McGregor's character never fully crossed, like he's supposed to be this volatile, charming psychopath. And I bought the charming more than I bought the psychopath. Yeah, I would agree with you. He's not especially menacing. No. I mean, this is probably, I I mean, the DCU, it's interesting because for years these films were characterized by Zack Snyder's aesthetic mm -hmm. and his sensibilities, which are very dark, a little nihilistic. Mm -hmm. Cynical. And, cynical, absolutely. And they've kind of moved away from that. 
one of the side effects of that is that they've moved towards a more comic tone. Right. This is the closest I think these movies have gotten to just an out-and-out -out comedy. Yes, and the comedic yeah. elements, I thought a lot of those really worked. Like I yeah. said, it's full of, you know, little silly non-sequiturs mm -hmm. and asides, and there's some pretty, there's some funny recurring gags, actually, which mm -hmm. usually recurring gags <laughs> fall short, but in this movie, I thought there were a couple pretty good ones. The Huntress one that we mentioned. And there's also a running bit with how Harley is completely obsessed with this breakfast sandwich. <laughs> Yeah. That I thought was pretty funny. They film it, you know, in this loving food porn close-up while she's mm -hmm. describing this sandwich in rapturous detail. Yeah. It's a lot of snacks in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good movie <laughs> for snacks. <laughs> and I thought a lot of that really worked, but for me, it worked better as a comedy than it did as a and an adventure, an action movie. The plot is kind of a mess. Mm -hmm. um, one thing the movie does is it, and it kind of lampshades the work it has to do to sort of get all these characters into place. Yeah. Harley narrates a lot of it and there mm -hmm. are moments where she goes, wait, I forgot about this, yep. or okay, let's back up. There's a lot of that, and right. that to and me feels... And they'll rewind the film, and it's very zazzy right. with a lot of flashy editing. Exactly, mm -hmm. and uh, so, I mean, the movie is like bending back into itself about, you know, it, it, at the end of the first act, really, yeah. to explain what certain characters are doing. Yeah, and it's a long first act, too. It is, and uh, there's, there's a kind of train-spotting vibe to that to mm -hmm. that aspect. I, I think that the, the movie is, that's a lot of lampshading going on there. Yeah. The movie is acknowledging that it doesn't quite know how to to get all these people, these characters in place, yeah, and, and move this thing around in an organic way. So it's using her unreliable narration as a way to sort of paper over that. Yeah, which is you know it's it's pretty bright and clever a lot of it, but it, it's true that it it is masking a pretty scattered plot, and the the birds don't really get together until pretty late in yeah, the film. Totally. So for me, uh, I thought the art direction was cool. Like we said, they're going hard into the big, colorful Schumacher fantasy world mm -hmm. Batman. And even when they're not in a fantasy world, when they're just in Gotham, you know, they go to the they go to the supermarket and there's all these overwhelming aisles of shiny packaging mm -hmm. and uh, Harley's running through the streets and there's, you know, just people and bright colors everywhere. It's just a very yeah. kaleidoscopic sort of look. It's certainly as colorful as Gotham City's looked in a really long time. Mm -hmm. I Watching this I kind of thought of the idea that these things, maybe these things go in cycles. Mm. Because I remember when Batman Begins came out in 2005. It's Christopher Nolan's Batman origin story. Yeah. Relaunched, did a whole trilogy of those good films. Flight. Oh, yeah, pretty yeah. good. When that movie came out, it felt like a willful course correction away yes. from the Joel Schumacher films. Well, because Batman and Robin was just kind of a disaster. Everyone hated <laughs> Batman and Robin. People <laughs> rejected its campiness. Yes. So this was like, we are completely course correcting away from that. This is very serious. And now, years later, I feel like we've kind of overdosed on mm -hmm. that grittiness. And here you see them sort of deliberately tacking in the opposite direction. Yes. Like, let's go, go back to these things being colorful and fun. I didn't find it unwelcome, honestly. I liked the energy of this film. Yeah, I did too. And I think it fit the character of Harley Quinn, mm -hmm. who is a color Colorful, fun character who in the I will say I never really understood the appeal of Harley Quinn mm -hmm. particularly for women I was like she's just like a sexy doll what do you <laughs> what do you think is so great yeah. about her but this movie I got it I mm -hmm. felt like oh well she's just like she's your hottest mess of a friend but she's really fun to hang out <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah, totally. yeah Ro Robbie's quite good in the part I yeah think, she you know, is yeah. finding this character this is a very different take on the character than the one we saw in Suicide Squad yeah as well. for sure Sure. Yeah, I think it's kind of a mess in a lot of respects. Mm -hmm. I think the climax is a mess, and I and I don't think that on a pure story level, this is an, an especially satisfying movie. Yeah, I just kind of enjoyed it as 
a different aesthetic take on the mm -hmm. Batman world than yeah. the one we've seen in a while. I do appreciate that the DCU, after many years trying to do the Marvel thing, they were like, they start mm -hmm. trying to backdoor their way into a Marvel-style cinematic yeah. universe. We were like, we're not going to do those individual films. We're just going to throw all these characters together in Justice League. Audiences basically rejected that. Yes, they did. So DC said, you know what, we'll do our own thing. And now that we're sort of in a period for them where these movies are sort of all existing as their own quasi-self-contained things. Yeah. Uh, and with, I like that. With different approaches. You know, you can see it in the action direction in this film. They mm -hmm. brought in uh, the John Wick team, uh, the director of John Wick and the fight coordinator for John Wick, and they do it more Hong Kong style. The action in this movie is super R-rated. It's pretty violent. <laughs> it's pretty violent. Yeah. It's pretty bloody. I That is another thing that is a kind of a welcome change as far as I'm concerned mm -hmm. in terms of a comic book movie. But uh, I just really felt that it worked better as a comedy. There's something about the action scenes where it somehow adds up to be, like it has all these cool little elements to it, but it somehow adds up to be less than the sum of its parts. But, you know, that being said, you know, the movie does have its flaws, but I very much agree that it is nice to see something colorful. It's nice to see something <laughs> fun, you know? Yeah. Like, if you're gonna have a big, messy, explosion, glitter bomb of a film, Harley Quinn was a good choice. All right, everybody. Well, that's all we've got for you for this week. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please support us here at Film Club, and we'll be back next week with another bright, colorful 90s intellectual property adaptation, and that is Sonic the Hedgehog. Ooh, exciting. <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right, thanks, everybody. Bye.